Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Jesus said, I tell you, open your eyes. Everyone say, open your eyes. Look at the fields. For they are ripe for harvest. They are ripe and they are ready for harvest. So immediately Jesus is telling us this is visionary. The harvest is a vision thing. If you'll open your eyes, lift up your eyes and look, you will see that the harvest is not coming. The harvest is here. It's here. Jesus, he didn't let this concept go when he left the disciples and he ascended to the Father, uh, to the right hand of the Father. He left an instruction, Mark 6, 15. He said, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Go into all of the world, go into all of the harvest and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. The Lord is focused on the harvest. He has many names, but also one of his names is Lord of the harvest. Lord of the harvest, in order for us to have a successful vision, our focus must be the same as the focus of the Father, and that is on the harvest. He's focused on the harvest. He is also focused on the making of disciples, the making of disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is the, this is the great commission. We've heard it first off in Mark, and it's also said again in a little bit different way in Matthew. First we said, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel. Then Jesus came to them. This is in Matthew, the end of Matthew. He came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He talked about the harvest, and he talked about making the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded to you. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is great commission. Making disciples is not optional, church. Pouring ourselves and the knowledge of Jesus into someone else is the calling of all of us. All are called. All are called. Focus on making disciples. Here's what else he is focused on. He's focused on the next generation. He's focused on the next generation. The children of this generation are so starving for attention They wish that their parents would look at them with the same desire and longing that they look at their phones. This generation is so starving for attention, just love, just the affirmation. Again, this is visionary. Those eyes, that, that, that contact, eye-to-eye contact. Every time you look at your children's eyes, every time that you do, it is speaking some kind of affirmation. It is speaking something to them. Parents, you know, you can give a look and it can say something. And if you're an experienced parent, you get really good at it. You get really good at it. You should get good at it enough that you don't even have to say anything. You just got to give the look. You got to give the look. 
Well, um, I'm getting into parenting. We'll leave this to, to Benjamin and, and Angela during their, their life group and all that stuff on the, on the parenting thing. But if the only look this next generation gets is the look that is the stink eye because we're upset with what we're doing, but we're ignoring them the rest of the time, and they're doing all this other stuff to try to get the attention and the love. No wonder they're doing the things that they're doing. No wonder they're trying to find affirmation and attention and affection somewhere else. It's because our eyes are not set on the next generation. Are we doing okay this morning? said we got to shake off the stuff. We would say this may be the darkest and most apathetic time in human history. Really what that means is that the opportunity is greater. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. A people of God that are armed with radical love will reach this generation and connect them to a loving father. They will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. The greatest is love. You can speak with the tongues of angels, but you'll just be making noise. Your way, amen? There's no love. Love makes the difference. I'll show you a better way. There's a better way, amen? The next generation. And I want to start here with the house, so just bear with me. I want to start in the house. Judgment begins with the house of God. Here's what's happening. This next generation, I'm spending some time on this. The next generation is not coming on their own. The next generation is not coming on their own. We see lower numbers in children's church and in youth group than we ever have before in the body of Christ, and that's not just this church. That's across the board. Parents, listen to me for a moment. I've already talked about the attention thing and what they want for you. But the word is clear. You must train a child in the way they should go. If your thinking has somehow shifted to allow the child to make the decision you've bought into a worldly mentality, and it's going to, if you sow to the flesh, it will reap corruption. You're telling your children to be in the house of God and you setting that example, you declaring on their own <laughs> will not make the decision. Joshua had to say it for his household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And being in the house of the Lord, that's not the entire answer. We are called to be priests and kings in our own homes. We are called to lead our families but the church is here to help that. The ministry here is, is, is here to help that. The ministry here is to equip the saints for the works of ministry. That's what the ministry is for. That's what the house is for. We are undermining the value of the body of Christ when we don't make the decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're undermining the value. I want to read this passage. Actually, you can turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Matt, I'm diverting a little bit, so you just you just follow along, buddy. He's our he's our 
media guy at the back serving today, doing a wonderful job. Thank you for being flexible. Okay, 1 Samuel 30, we're going to start with verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag. What a name. They reached Ziklag on the third day, and now the Amalekites had raided the Negev in Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. So when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Wow. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Do you see that? Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to the Basor Valley, where there some had stayed behind, 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the 400 continued the pursuit. Can you see what's happening here? This is an army that's completely exhausted. They come back home, the place of refuge and safety, to find that, the, that their wives and all their children had been taken off by the enemy. And so they, they weep, they cry out to God. God answers, says, Go get them, you will have success. They start on the journey, and part of the way there, of the 600 men that go, 200 of them are too exhausted to take another step. That number dwindles down to 400. I want you to jump down to verse 16. Then he led David down, and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. And then David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. I am of sober mind and heart this morning concerning this vision. As for the children and for the young people and the young adults of this community, the harvest, I want to prepare you. We are going after them. Lock eyes with me for a moment. Vision is so important because vision is accountability. It's accountability. We are going after them. We are going to go get them. 
Whatever it takes, we are going to get them. We are going to see everything that the enemy has taken, and we're going to see it, and we're going to get it back. We're going to get it back. Let me get into the nitty-gritty here for a second. Let's really talk about the nitty-gritty. We've been talking about revival. Guess what? The devil is okay with revival. As long as it stays right in the camp. As long as it stays in the church, because if it stays inside the walls, then it stays outside of his camp. What good is all the falling down if we don't get back up being changed? The Holy Spirit comes upon you and to empower you to be a witness, not for you to hide out until you get another dose of the feel-goods. That is not what Holy Spirit is intended to do. Actually, I'm seriously considering removing the word revival from our vocabulary entirely. Because it, it implies an event and a season, and I'm done chasing events. The only way for us to be a part of something that is worthwhile is if Jesus is at the center. What have we defined? Jesus is the well. If you would have asked, if you knew who was standing in your midst, you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water. He's the well. He's the supply. And if what is happening in in our gatherings, in our meetings, if it never translates out of there, then we are nothing but a selfish people. We're nothing but a selfish people who just wants to hoard all the blessings of God to ourselves. We just want to hoard all the gifts to ourselves and do nothing with it. It's time to stop talking about what God can do. And he can do. Glory to God. Doing what God said he can do. What he said he can do. Glory to God. Bless the Lord. God, shake us up this morning. Shake us up. Shake us up. We're going to be like David and step out of the safety of our camp and go into the enemy's camp. Faith isn't needed if you stay in the boat. Faith isn't needed if you're just going to stay in the boat and just hang along for the ride and, yeah, I'm here. I'll show up. And, man, aren't our services good? That's awesome. There doesn't take any faith. Stepping out on that water takes faith. Stepping out into a territory that the enemy has marked for himself. And he is under the impression that he possesses it. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? If the Lord fights for us, then how will we be defeated? Listen, he prefaced go into all the world with this defining statement. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. There's another passage I want you to look at. Matt, you can pull this one up, okay, bud? Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Look at this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, it's impossible to hide. Can't be done. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and what? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
It's time to be the light. It's time for action. This is the hour of action. I believe this is a call to action for us to be activated. We've been playing defense for far too long. It's time for offense. We've been, we've been praying a contingent of, of men who, are, who are, have their hearts set on the move of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and for Rutherford County to come to Jesus. Rutherford County for Jesus Christ. Rutherford County for Jesus Christ. Rutherford County for Jesus. Rutherford County for Jesus. That's the language that I want to use. For Jesus, for Jesus, for Jesus. He may use the vehicle of revival and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Yes, 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 yes. But it's all for Jesus. It's all for his glory. But having men who have been, who have been praying on a, on a weekly basis, praying for the outpouring of God, we met over again yesterday at the Windrow Community Church. I'm not going to go into all the background. I've been talking about it for the past several weeks, but God has pointed it out to us. He has spoken to us prophetically that we are to under, uncover the, the well of revival and outpouring that took place here in the 1800s, just over 10 minutes from us. We've been praying. We've been calling out to God. And so something very interesting happened this week. I believe it's as a result of the praying that's been going on both in this church and with this contingent of men who are calling out to God. Something happened. We, the, the man who opened up the church for us were praying on those grounds where thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus, where people were healed, where you could hear the weeping and the calling out to God from miles away. The man who opened the building up for us yesterday, he said, it's interesting, this, this last week, just last Saturday, we had a break-in. We had a break-in. Someone came in through, through the window. We don't know who it was or how many there were. They went on the bus. There's a bus on the property. They opened it up, went in there, opened up some of the windows, bent one of the doors back. They came into the sanctuary. They played with all the sound equipment. They opened up the top of the piano. It's, it's a piano kind of like this. It's, it's actually a, a shortened piano. They lifted up the top. Uh, they had moved some things around, moved some, some chairs around. But the interesting thing is that he said nothing was taken. Nothing was taken. This last Wednesday night, we met here for service. We knew there was the potential of some severe weather uh, that was, was coming in. And I was watching all day, and I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, should we, should we cancel tonight? Or people need to be safe. And then we saw the percentages go down. How many of you know it's Tennessee? If you don't like the weather, wait an hour, it'll change. I'm like, Lord, should we, should we cancel this thing? And just never got a clear picture. And we had a handful of people that showed up, uh, and, and we thought the weather was going to change. Sure enough, uh, just before 7 o'clock, the heavens opened and the rain came. We've been praying a lot, Lord, we receive your, your rain. And, and he took our prayer literally, apparently. So the heavens, the heavens opened up, and, and before you know it, we're starting to see water uh, come and fill up the parking lot and start to approach the front doors of the church. And, and before you know it, we see water going from just like this, 
going up, making its way up the side of, of our building. It's starting to make its way through both of these doors. The water was so full on the parking lot, it was coming through these front doors, and it was being diverted. It was, a going, it was going around to this drive under area, and water was coming in there as well. And so with a, a group of people, whoever made it out to Wednesday night, they were, we were grabbing towels, we were grabbing tablecloths, we were grabbing whatever we could, and we were stopping up. How many of y'all saw the video on Facebook? They were stopping up the entrances. We were trying to, to clean up all the water. Water was pouring into the youth room. We're moving all the electrical stuff, trying to get it out of the way. It was, it was, it was crazy. We begin to pray. Where's Mr. Matt? Wave your, wave your hand again, buddy. You're going to have to wave your hand because he was, uh, he was hero, Matt. Guy was out, like, like seriously, y'all, he was, it, the water was up to his knees, and he was out there, the parking lot. We had two drains that kept getting covered up, and if he had not, I believe the Spirit of the Lord directed him to do so, if he had not gone out there and started clearing those drains, uh, it would have it done nothing but, but destroy it would have been so bad. Here's the other part, is that if we had not been here, there would have been nothing to have stopped that water flow. If there was no one here to stand in the gap, there would have been nothing to stop the flood from coming in. Are you making the spiritual connections? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. We would have shown up, glory to God, we would have shown up the next day where that water was on Wednesday night with us working on it and clearing the drains, it would have made its way all the way through the sanctuary. Who knows how many tens of thousands of dollars of damage there would have been, and that is not an exaggeration. But it's interesting. At that church, nothing was taken. And here, nothing was damaged. You see, we are a people who get to brag that we have a God who fights for us. We have a God who fights for us, who fights for us. And here's the thing. That doesn't mean that we don't have to show up to the battle. We've got to show up and we've got to be ready to be used of God. It is time, even, even as a people who desire peace. It is right for the people of God to desire peace. I believe most of the time that's really what we want. We just want peace. But when the enemy has taken our sons and daughters, taken families, our friends, and our community, that's not the time for defense. In a time of war, even peaceful men become violent. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's time to manifest. Listen, this is not, I, I, I like what Mr. Steve was saying about the men's group. This is not about some kind of spiritual bravado or, or some kind of, of macho, macho-ness. That's not what, don't, don't hear me incorrectly this morning. What it is, is there is a defiance and it is right to be that way. It is a right thing. Jesus said he was made manifest for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And so many times we've taken a back seat and just been defensive and just let him do whatever he wants to do. 
I love what Miss Carol was talking about too, about war room and about fervency and being those things in prayer. It's time. There's no time to waste. His spirit is moving. Jesus is coming. It's time for us to manifest the same Jesus that destroyed the works of the devil. If you call yourself a believer, a child of God, a follower of Christ, it is time to recognize it is no longer an option to remain inactive in the kingdom. It is no longer an option to remain inactive. God didn't save you so you could save a seat. I'm glad he provided me a seat to the table, but that's not why you're here, to keep a seat warm, to have a saved seat, to have assigned seating. As James said, if we're all hearers of the word only, we deceive ourselves. We must be doers. Freely you have received, therefore freely give. Stay with me just a few more minutes. The harvest, making disciples the next generation. How are we going to accomplish this? First of all, by setting our sights and being obedient to the heavenly vision. It means being intentional. This is a word that God has been working on me for the last several months. Maybe I'll minister it in a more expanded way at some point in the future. But it is about being intentional. Being intentional. That means that you have a desire to do it, you put a plan in place, and you go for it. Being intentional. How can we be sure that we will have success? Because he's focused on something else that has been around since the beginning. His word. He is focused on fulfilling his word. He said that he is watching his vision. He's watching over his word to perform it, to fulfill it. The word, his word, will not return unto him empty or void without first accomplishing its intended purpose. He's watching over it. That's how we know we have success. It's his word, his promise, his vision, his success, his glory, his victory. My God. It's his year. It's his year. That was the declaration that we made at the 1st of January. What if this wasn't your year or my year? What if it was his year? What would it look like? Do you think that would be good for us if it was his year? Do you think things would go well for us as the sons and daughters of God if it was his year? It's his thing, his vision. So here's what's going to tie it all together. This is the vision. I believe there is one verse that is a sum up of all of, all of this and a kind of a statement. We find it in the book of Acts, Acts 17, 28. Thank you, Matt. By the words of Paul. Acts 17, 28 says this, and I love what's in the book of Acts. For in him we live and move and have our being. How many of y'all familiar with this verse? For in him we live and move and we have our being. There has been a shift in decades. I believe there has been a shift in this body. And really what it is, it's the purpose of the church. This is, the, this is the language that I believe God is speaking to us and the vision for us from this one verse. We're drawing three words, simple three words. That is live, move, be. Can everybody say that with me? Live, 
move, be. Say it again. Live, move, be. This is an action statement. We are the church of Acts, after all. Taking action. Even the name Turning Point is a movement. It's active. We want to communicate that we are actively, fully living out the purpose as sons and daughters of God. It starts with live. I'm just going to break down these three words. Live, move, be. It starts with live. Live is fullness. I love what pastor said. That is live. That means live the life. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have life to the fullest. So when we see the word live, it's about fullness. He's not dead. He lives. (laughs) Through Jesus, we live forever. Don't you get it? This thing is about life. Jesus came to save us from death and to give us life, life eternal. Live means vitality, vibrance, zeal, and passion. Live. Move means purpose. Live means fullness. Move means purpose. Move means action. It means direction. It means purpose. All are called. We said it. It means move with God. Move by the Spirit. Move toward others. Move in love. Move in generosity. It is a moving. That word is identity. It's who we are. It's who we are. What great a love has our Father lavished uh, upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. The sons and daughters of God. Be the church. Be a disciple. Be a servant. Be generous. Be, 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 be. Being all of those things because of who we are in God. There is no greater privilege than being a son and daughter of God. Everything has been given over to us. Don't you know it? The inheritance is ours. It's who we are. What's so exciting about this is that it's not just corporate, meaning it's not just a together thing. It's individual. This is more than a church vision. This is a life vision. In him, I live and I move and I have my being. In him, we can tie it to every single one of our core values that we have. We can tie it to every outreach, every ministry, every event. We can tie it to every single day. And what I love about it is it all starts with Jesus. In him, in him, I live and move and have my being. Every decision centered on him, every pursuit, his will. This is what I love about it too. The vision speaks not only to us who are inside this church, it speaks to those who are outside. Live, move, be. Man, something's going on over there. Live, move, be. Almost sounds like one word. Here's, I'm going to end on this. I do believe that 2020 is a year of vision. But it's not a year of talking vision. It is a year of comp- accomplishing vision. It is a year of moving and taking action. And taking action. Interesting on this story, we're about to pray. But even with David, there were some who fell off. They were too exhausted. They were too exhausted. Here's the thing. What matters is that we stay hard-pressed and we stay focused on what God is focused on. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. 
To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.